you can be a person that is running after God's heart. Because the Bible talks about David in that context. That he was a man after God's heart. It's not a reference to his moral standing because we know that he failed. It was a reference to his commitment to God. God had made a promise to him and God had called him and he had his moments of failure but he, at the end, when it's all said and done, what happened? He was, he was God's man. God used him greatly. So that's encouraging to us, isn't it? Because we fail him. But he's faithful. Always faithful. Well, we're going to continue in Ephesians. Uh, chapter 5 now, we did finish Ephesians uh, chapter 4 last, or a couple weeks ago. So we're going to continue now in Ephesians. I uh, d decided to dig out one of my old Bibles, because uh, as, as I was studying for this, I, I remembered I had made some notes like 30 years ago in this Bible. So I brought this Bible with me, and uh, I'm going to use some of the stuff that's in there to uh, talk about what what the Lord would have to say to us in Ephesians chapter 5. Now, we have to remember, there were no chapters and verses in the original text. You guys know that, right? The original parchments that were used, they, were, they didn't have chapters. So these things are divided up by some editor. So when we get into chapter 5, it flows, obviously, it comes out of chapter 4. So when you read in the very first, and we're going to see it up on the screen, when you read the first word, therefore, right? I always like to say, you've got to ask why it's there, what it's there for. What's he, he's referring to what he just said. Therefore, because of this, then this, right? So what did he last say in verse 32 of chapter 4? And what I want you to notice is Paul's continuing to exhort, exhort means to convince, to persuade the Christians here at uh, Ephesus to walk in holiness. Uh, that sounds a little bit strange, but talk about purity. You know, we have, been, we have been separated from darkness and we now walk in the light. We uh, were once in the world and now we're in Christ. So there's always uh, this necess necessity for us to remember where we came from and where we're headed. It's, it, Paul's bringing it up over and over again. So what did he say in the last part of verse, uh, and it's not up on the screen, I'll just read it. And, and be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. These are the instructions that Paul has to the Christian believers. Be what? Be kind. I think I mentioned uh, last time we talked about this. Uh, be nice. Uh, eat rice. And I always say it to rhyme, to remember. It, it's, there's a learning strategy in rhyming. They're actually uh, taught in schools of pedagogy, which is schools of education. Right, Yolanda? To rhyme something? Some teachers will wrap math formulas. They'll do a math formula in a rap style to remember the formula. Not to rap, but to remember the formula. So it's repetitive and it's... So be kind to one another. Tender-hearted. Our, our relationship with each other should be one of tender-heartedness or compassion. Do you know that? 
We're to treat each other kindly and tenderheartedly. And then the question arises, why? Well, it's explained. Also describes forgiving one another, but it's, all of this is explained in the last part of verse 32. Even as God, what? For your sake has forgiven you. We do this because he did it for us. Our actions are a reflection or our actions are a response to our understanding what God has done for us and what we experience His kindness, His, what, tenderheartedness, His forgiveness. And if we claim that these are things that we have received, then as a Christian, because we have received them as God has done these things to, for us in Christ. So, you know, when I see that people are not kind, compassionate, and forgiven, I have to question their relationship with the Lord. I'm not a fruit inspector, but the fruit tells me there's a problem. What is it? I don't know. I'm not, I can't judge that far deep into someone's soul as a pastor. I can just tell you there's something wrong. It could be ignorance, so let's, now we're not. I just told you how it works. Can't claim ignorance. Because I say, just as Christ forgave us. Just as, well let's put it this way. Just as God forgave us in Christ. Just as God was kind to us in Christ. Just as God was tender hearted to us in Christ. We are to be that with each other. Because that's the relationship we have with God. We understand that. So now we know. So it's either that we are ignorant to that fact. Well now we're not. Or we are rebellious. We have chosen not to. Having known that. Or we just don't know him. That could be an explanation. You don't know him. Or you know him and you have rebelled. That's even worse. Better to not have known him than to have known him and then do something that's contrary to his will. It'll be worse for that person on judgment day that had known and walked away from it. Notice I'm not using the word lost. You don't lose it. You walk away from it. We've been going through and talking about in the men's Bible study and Revelation and a little bit in the Wednesday night Bible study about what Jesus said to the church at Ephesus. What did he say? Did he say you'd lost your first love? Or what did he say? You remember? Jesus? They left it. They left it. You don't lose it. You leave it. It's a conscious decision. I don't know how that is possible. I've said that before. I don't know how you could know him and leave him. You know? <laughs> the comparison would be that I would be impressed with the water that flows out of my faucet. So here's an example because I went to Yosemite and I saw possibly, the, well, the longest, biggest, largest waterfall in, in America. It would be like if I got impressed by the water flowing out of my faucet over Yosemite Falls. I would look at my water faucet and go, oh, that's so beautiful. And then look at Yosemite Falls and go, ah, whatever. You see the, the contrast? Is, it's, it's ludicrous. So then Paul moves into chapter 5. We see this. 
I think it's interesting. It moves into chapter 5. Let me go over here. And he begins to address... Hold on. And that's where he gets therefore from. Because Christ is what? What's the first thing we read? Kind? Because with us. The Father was kind through Christ. He was also tender-hearted and also forgiving. Therefore, be imitators of God. You see it up on the screen. As beloved children. So let's just pray for the sermon. Father, thank you. Uh, we, we pray, Lord, that you would open our eyes. We pray, Lord, that we would willingly allow your word to enter into our hearts as, uh, as we reason with you and as you reason with us through your word. Uh, allow the Holy Spirit to be um, working in, in a special way today so that we can leave here today having learned something new, having grown in order to uh, be able to express our faith in an appropriate way. Uh, through knowledge and through the wisdom that's found in your, in your word. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So walk or be imitators of God. Does it say that? Correct? Be imitators of God. As beloved children. Why? Because we're his children. Your children imitate you? <laughs> I bet they do. They sure do. They'll imitate you in the good and the bad. Sometimes it's embarrassing when the bad part comes out because you're like, oh, Lord. Like you see it uh, when you see families together. Uh, like I was on a trip, just like I was mentioning, just, you just run into a bunch of families and you see these kids acting up. And then you're like sitting there like shocked, like, oh, my goodness. You ask yourself, where did that little child learn that? Imitators. Why? As beloved children, and walk in love. The word here is agape. Walk in agape love. As, now notice again, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering of sacrifice to God. There is so much being said in that first verse. And let me start by using, talking about the word imitators. I looked that up in Greek. The word is mimites. Mimites. M-I-M-I-T. E-S. Mimites. Where we get the English word mimic. Imitate. Mimites. Get it? Imitate. Mimites. What is that? Why does that matter? It's where we get the word mimic. So, I need, a, I need an example. I need someone to help me here. Osvaldo, <laughs> come here. Stand here next, next to me. So you understand what this word means, and we can have a good understanding. Just understand right here next to me, bro. So what you're going to do is you're, we're going to look at each other. You're going to do everything I do. You're imitating me? That's not nice. Don't imitate me, man. Oh, you're not putting your head down. You have to imitate me. All right. Mm. 
Oh, wow, you're, go sit down. <laughs> Mimic. The idea here is that we do what Christ does. We live like Christ lived. Right? Mimic. And then I found something interesting that I discovered. The word mimic is where we get the word mime. Do you know what a mime is? Those of you with cell phones? It's those emojis. Those are, are, are different kinds of mimes. That this is, people are creative when it comes to mimes. You know, they're on their phones so, off so much that that's what they're using a way to communicate. So the word mime comes from mimic. The English mimites, Greek, it's all about copying. We're to copy him. The, at the root of this is we're to follow his example. That's what it's really talking about. You'll see some versions of the Bible will say, instead of therefore be imitators, they'll say be followers. That, that's the idea. Right? And in what way are we imitators? Well, we're imitators because he's our father. We're his children, number one, verse one. Verse two, we're to walk in love. And what other way are we to um, follow him or uh, are we to um, uh, be like him? What example are we to, to, to copy? And it's his love, agape. See that verse two up there? And, and, and what's the model? As Christ loved us. So we talked about verse, the last verse in chapter 4. He's kind, tender-hearted, forgiving. All those things are a demonstration of his love. We're to walk in love. We're to live in his love. Agape. As how? how? So the question is, how that, how's that happen? As Christ loved us. And how did he love us? And that he gave himself up for us. That's the key. His love is demonstrated by his sacrifice. He, he gave himself up, his sacrifice. Amen? For who? For us. And this was considered a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I'll talk more about that. But let me talk a little bit um, about the statement here about the fragrant offering and sacrifice. Anybody here like perfume or cologne? If you get close enough to me, you'll smell some. I sprayed it on this morning and put it on. When you're with somebody that you care about or have intimacy with, and they can get that close, right? Unless you just poured it on. So you could just walk by and I can probably smell you. That usually, it's, if it's a nice cologne or fragrance, you smell it, and what is the first thing you do? What's, it, what's your first response in something that is sweet-smelling? Pleasure. Pleasing. The reference here is to Leviticus chapters 1 through 5. God set up a whole system of offerings. So you have to go to the Old Testament to understand what Paul's talking about here. In the Old Testament, there were burnt offerings. There was a, something called a meal offering, which was meat. And there was a peace offering that was brought. All of them were considered sweet-smelling offerings because the aroma of these offerings were sweet or pleasing to God. He would like literally inhale them and he would be satisfied with what you offered him 
sacrificially. What is it that Paul's doing here by connecting to Leviticus chapters 1 through 5? He's connecting that love, the, the love of God, agape love. It, when we practice it, when we live that way, it's satisfying. It's a pleasure. It's pleasurable, if you would. It's pleasing to God. People would ask, well, how can I please God? I want to please God. Love one another. In his love, agape. Right? So, when we choose to mimic, when we choose to mime Christ or imitate him or follow him, his example, right? We're sacrificing our rights by walking in love and we produce a scent that is sweet to the Father. Why do, I, why do I say we're sacrificing our rights? Because the word agape is all about sacrificing. It's about giving yourself up. Notice in verse 2. As Christ loved us and gave himself up. He gave up his rights so that he could redeem us. He gave up glory. Became a man in the incarnation. Left heaven came to this earth seeking to save that which he had lost, man, in his fallen state. If Philippians chapter 2 talks about that, and I'm just going to briefly touch on it so you have an idea of what it means that he gave up his rights. What did he do when he gave up his rights? And let me show you in Philippians chapter 2. It says this at verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He didn't think it to be a uh, loss. He wasn't losing anything. To, to give up his divine priorities that he had, to become a man and live in the limitations of the flesh. It's like he shelved all of his prerogatives and rights, he put them on a shelf as, I'll be back for those later. I'm going to go now and I'm going to offer myself, give myself up, my rights, and I'm going to die on a cross and suffer on behalf of the ones I love so that they too can have the opportunity to return to me through what I offer at the cross on their behalf. And what else did he do? He made himself of no reputation, verse 7. He took upon himself the form of a servant, we're talking about the king of kings and the Lord of lords made himself a servant and was made in the likeness of man. This is a re reference to his incarnation. And being found in the fashion uh, as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, because of the redemptive work of Christ, because he gave up his rights so that we could recover ours that we had lost because of the fall, he has been ex highly exalted He's been given a name above every name, according to Philippians 2, verses 5 through 9. So when we say that he sacrificed his rights, he gave them up for our sake. That's what it says. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. And what did he become? A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. It was an aroma, the activity, the, that which he did was pleasing to the Father. He accepted it. Isn't that wonderful? So when we accept the plan of salvation, we're accepted by God 
Because he accepted what Christ did for us. You see, we're just agreeing with him. When we take the Lord's Supper, we're agreeing that what Jesus did satisfied the Father. That's where we get the theological word. You don't hear it often. It's in the Bible. Propitiation. Propitiation, it comes from the root word of appropriate. Get it? Propitiation. Appropriate. Jesus' sacrifice was appropriate for the Father to be able to withdraw his wrath and condemnation from us because Christ received it on our behalf. He took on himself and his body the wrath and the condemnation that we rightfully deserved. And because of that, we don't suffer that wrath or condemnation because there, are no, there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ. Romans 8, chapter 1. For those that walk by the Spirit. Romans 8, chapter 1. So, sweet, what? Aroma was Christ's sacrifice on our behalf, which is a demonstration of His love. And when we mimic or we follow that example, then we also are a sweet-smelling aroma in God's, in God's sight. And His, and his smell. And, uh, he smells the sweetness of Christ. Amen? What is that, that word that's so important? Love. Walk in love. Agape. Now let me talk a little bit about the love. And this is why I brought this out, because I remember 30 years ago writing these notes on the inside of this Bible. There's three words for, the, for, for, agape, or for love in the Greek. When the, when the Bible was written, it was written in Koine Greek. A very precise language. When I say I love pizza, and I love my mother, I use the same word, love. So could I possibly love my mother as much as pizza or love pizza as much as my mother? No, we just understand more like I like pizza in comparison to I love my mother. But the English doesn't have the benefit of three different words to describe love. But the world then, dominated by Greek, there's three words. One, eros. E-R-O-S. Say it again, eros. What does this sound like? Sounds like erotic. There is a sensual desire which brings about the word eros, where we get the word erotic, that comes naturally, the flesh. It's fleshly. It's nothing but the flesh. It's carnal. Eros. Okay? Okay? That one, don't really need to describe it too much. It's the stuff of pornography. It's the stuff of illicit sexual uh, activity, which we'll see more of in the following this chapter. So that eros is not what Jesus is, or Paul is talking about here or what Jesus demonstrated on the cross. Then there's phileo. Phileo is interesting. This is where we get the word Philadelphia. Brotherly love or fraternal love. This is a mutual love. Okay, it, it's understandable. Phileo love is like you do for me and, and I will do for you. 
I'll give you an example. You scratch my back, I scratch your back. It's in concept, it's perfectly balanced, okay? The problem is that you'll never find it. Because someone will not perfectly rub your back and you won't do it equally back, usually. The mutual, you can't find that mutual. Because what you'll start doing is you'll start keeping count. You'll get a balance sheet out and you'll start saying, I did this, 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 and you only did this and this. Hey, we're out of balance. You will never find phileo because of human nature, Right? So what that kind of love will do is actually push you away. Because you never will find it within human nature that you will equally and mutually love somebody. And it's a good idea. I'm not saying that it's not a good idea. In a perfect world, that's what you want. Who wants to have a friendship when you're the only one being friendly? (laughs) That's the way it works. In families... We won't say this out loud, but you do have a favorite child if there's more than one. You just don't announce it. Because some children are not very nice or very pleasant pe- people. That means you don't love them, but just say, I'm just saying, that's phileo, that's that mutual. It's hard to live to. It's hard to live perfectly. What you're doing is you're keeping track. Okay, and then I did this. And, I did that. and then when you do get in an argument, tell me I'm not telling you the truth. You're going to bring all that stuff out that they didn't do for you. But if you supposedly did as much an equal amount for them, why would you argue? Because it's not perfect. Because it's lacking something. It's lacking Agape. The only way possible to have phileo is through agape. Paradoxically speaking. Paradoxically speaking is to get one, you have to use the other. Okay? This is important. What happens is there's a balance sheet that you're keeping and you discover when you look at that balance sheet over a number of uh, space of time that you've been loving more than they have. Right? So then we get to agape, which is what Jesus uh, did for us, according to Paul. And walk in love, verse 2, agape is the word, as Christ loved us, and he gave himself up for us. He gave himself up for us unconditionally. There's the key. Unconditionally. There was no condition for him to give himself up to you. Paradoxically, he would like for you to respond. And love him back. And there is a verse in 1 John. We love him because he first loved us. But we don't always love him when he first loves us. Not everybody loves him back. There, so therefore the problem with phileo. Does everybody love Christ? For what he did for everybody? He loved him and died on the cross? No. There's my point. Phileo is impossible. It's nice. I like friends... That when we go to lunch, they say, hey, Robert, you got the last time, I got this one. And I'm like, you know what the best kind of meal is? A free one. (laughs) Well, not free because you paid the last time. I have a friend that 
has referred to that with other people that never pay. They always go to lunch, but he's always paying. Calls them mooches. Leeches. Get, that's my argument right here in Thaleo. It, it's, it's idealistically, conceptually, it's wonderful. Yeah, who wouldn't want That's what you're looking for. But you'll never find it what, because the balance sheet is never going to be equal. So what you've got to do is you've got to go to the love of God, which is agape love, which is what? Unconditional. I'm going to love you no matter what. Thank God for me. Because... Sometimes I fail on the no matter what part. Don't we? Agape is selfless. Not selfish. Like Eros. Selfless. You don't think of yourself. It's uncalculating. There's no balance sheet. Amen? It's a giving of yourself. Verse 2. Christ loved us and gave of himself for us. It's the giving of yourself. Now listen carefully. Without the thought of anything in return. Wow. Only possible with the help of the Holy Spirit. It can't do it without the Holy Spirit. Because it's God's love. But there's hope. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the fruit of the Spirit. Which you have deposited into your life when you receive the Holy Spirit. Can't do it on your own. It makes no sense to do it. You pay too much to get nothing in return. If it came to the stock market, if you're going to talk about investing your money in the stock market, you want phileo. Actually, you would want arrows. All for me and none for you. Just keep paying, keep paying, keep giving me. What do I get? Nothing. Ah, it's about me here. Selfish, it's about me here. Right? But when it comes to God's love, it's all about Him. He did it all. Uncalculating, selfless, the giving of yourself with no thought, anything in return. And someone might be saying, How in the world is that even possible? It is not possible without the Holy Spirit. It is not. But as children of God, do we not have the Holy Spirit? Has he not? Are we not the temple of the Holy Spirit? Has he not given us the fruit of the Spirit? And another thing with this agape love, which is interesting, is that you sacrifice, you give of yourself for the benefit of the other. You're only concerned that the other person benefits, not you. Kind of crazy, huh? That's what Jesus did. He's telling us to love as Christ loved us. He's asking us to follow this example, right? Here's the key. When you give of yourself in this fashion of agape, that is, when you sacrifice for the benefit of the other, when you give of yourself without a thought of anything in return, when it's uncalculating and selfless, then that kind of love is magnetic. It brings people. And paradoxically, you will get phileo. 
Because then what it does is like, can you walk by a rose, a beautiful rose, an award-winning garden with roses, and could you walk by, I love the red ones, can you literally walk by without looking at it? Can you literally walk by without smelling it? I saw this little clip. Some guy on the internet, I forget where, maybe Instagram, he just walks up to a strange woman and gives her a flower. And some of them are like, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? I don't know you. And some will look up and, "Uh, what do you want? And then some will like take it. And then he leaves. And the first thing they do, they look at it and they smell it. Why? Because it's so beautiful. How can you not look at it? Because it smells so amazingly. How could you not breathe it in? The fragrance. Right? That's the love of Christ. It's so beautiful. It's so fragrant. It's so wonderful that it brings you to Him. And by knowing Him then, how could you not, when your heart has been transformed and the Holy Spirit has dominating your life, you've died to self, how could you not then love one another? You will. That's a healthy church. It understands the, this. And Paul is referring to that kind of love in verse number 2. He would also write in Galatians 5.22 the following, and I just want to make sure that we can cover this, and I think I'm going to get to the next part later next week. But Jesus models what Paul says in Galatians 5.22 to 25. This is where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. This is what you will project. This is what will come and rise out of your heart when Christ lives in your heart. Okay? The fruit of the Spirit is love. Same word, agape. From the Greek. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. Self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is love. I believe that love is the fruit of the Spirit. And the rest of these things that are described. Because it doesn't say fruits. Plural. My opinion. Doesn't matter. Either way it's true. If you want to see it my way. Love is the fruit of the Spirit. And what flows out of the fruit of the Spirit? What flows out of love? Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are what it, how love is demonstrated. Okay? Either way, you can accept my way or you can look at it. Go study and find out that I'm right. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> what else does it say? Here's the interesting part. Against such things there is no law. I love that verse. Against love there's no law. Go ahead and love. Nobody's going to say stop it. You're breaking the law. Joy. Go ahead and do it. Peace. Against Peace, there is no law. Against 
patience, there is no law. Against kindness, there is no law. Against goodness, there is no law. Against faithfulness, there is no law. Against gentleness, there is no law. Against self-control, there is no law. So my thing here is then go for it and do these things through the help of the Holy Spirit. You're allowed to. Go ahead, church. Let's practice patience. Go ahead, believer. Let's have some joy in our lives and some peace. Go ahead. You're allowed to. There's the freedom in Christ. You can actually live this way. Wow. We can? You mean I can live this way? I don't have to be miserable. I don't have to be angry. I don't have to be jealous. I don't have to have hatred in my heart. No. You don't have to. You want to. You choose to. Because you haven't opened your heart and allowed Christ to abode there. To live there. Satan is a thief. He's a liar. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't want you to know this. He doesn't want you to hear about this. He wants you to live miserably. Because that's how every person without God lives. Oh, you can put on a facade. Oh, you can put on a mask. Oh, you can pretend. Or there might be moments. But there's not real. It's fleeting. The only thing that lasts and will last eternally is the love of God in your heart because that's eternal and that is who God is because God is love. And see, this is what he's asking the church to do. All right? Because look what happens afterwards. So here we read verse 2, and I'm going to go back to, to Ephesians 5. Walk in love as Christ loved us, agape, and gave himself for us a fragrant sacrifice or offering and sacrifice to God. We surrender our rights so that we can live his way. And then he transitions, but, notice verse 3, and I'm not going to get much into it, sexual immorality and all impurity and covetousness Selfishness is what covetousness means. Must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. They say, then, so if you want to, and if you live driven by the flesh, this is what he's describing here. By the way, the word sexual immorality there comes from the Greek word pornea. What does that sound like? Porn. Pornography. Illicit sexual relationships in general. Could address adultery. That's when you're married, you're having a sexual relationship outside of the marriage. Fornication is when two people are not married and they're having a sexual relationship. It also addresses homosexuality. Lesbian activity. I'm sorry. That's what it's addressing. The Greek is very precise. So you, you were a saint, right? Here's the, problem, here's the deal with this. We're living in a time where we're going to be facing this, if you're not already, 
you know? This impropriety. And we're going to have to, according to the verses that are going to follow here, the Bible says that we need to speak up against it. You need to know what it is. These things must not ever be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking. Hey, that's cussing, telling crude jokes. He says they're out of place. Double meanings, right? You said, Pastor, it was such a good message until you got here. <laughs> you, you were doing really well. Thanks. This is not my message. Now here's, I'm just going to go on a little bit more. And I'll stop. Here's why that's all uh, important. Verse 4 says, but instead of those things, let there be thanksgiving. We should have a grateful heart. You may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. The reason this is an important topic is if you practice those things, you don't have an inheritance in heaven. That's why it's important. And I'm going to come back to it because I sense the, how quiet it got. But that's what the word says. The main idea today is for us to allow the love of Christ to dwell in our hearts. And that's how we should live. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you. We understand, Lord, from, from what we saw today and what we covered today, that there isn't anything greater as a Christian than allowing your love to permeate our hearts, to allow it to flow from our hearts. This love that we have accepted because of our understanding of what Jesus did for us at the cross. This love that we receive when we receive Christ by faith. This love, Lord, when we came to you and we confessed our sins and we turned away from them and chose to carry our cross and follow you. This love, Lord, you, you gave. And we asked you for the help that we might be sensitive and aware to allow only your love to flow from our hearts. Not to practice anything else. We pray for this love. It's our, it's our decision. We want this. We know it's only possible, Lord, with the help of the Holy Spirit because of the work of the Holy Spirit and transforming our hearts. That's what it means to be born again. We're thankful for that. We pray, Lord, that you would give us that help. We ask that of you today as a church. That we would walk in love just as Christ walked in love toward us. And we give you the honor, the praise, and the glory to Jesus. And we ask it in his precious name. Amen.